Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had a family holiday that kind of went sideways, but Dave did, a man named Dave. And one Thanksgiving, Dave took his niece, Carly, to the wilderness, and he left her there. The wilderness was the furthest thing from his mind. He had no idea that that's where they were going to end up, but that's where they ended up. And all from an innocent trip to an outlet store. So Dave went to an outlet store and he found some coloring books that were titled Bible Stories. And Carly was in kindergarten, so I thought, oh, this would be great. I'll get her some coloring pages. We can talk about God. We can talk about the things that God has done within the confines of human history. It'll be great. Sit there and color. We'll spend some quality time. And when he arrived, he showed her the coloring books, and she was so excited. He said, let's sit down and color. And she said, yeah, let's do it. And she went and grabbed some colored pencils, a little bit more neater, right? A little bit more neat. She was pretty detail-oriented. And just dove in, got to work, right? Didn't really start at the beginning. Was so eager to kind of open up and see what was inside. And she stopped on a picture of a baby in the water, right? That looked nice. That's the baby Moses, Dave said. And so they talked about how were they going to go about coloring this picture? What were they going to do? Coloring the water blue, the basket brown, the grass green. But then she turned back a page to see what she had missed before. And, and it wasn't as tranquil and beautiful and sweet as this picture. Instead, there was this big, burly Egyptian guy who was pulling children away from their parents. And there was tears coming out of the woman's eyes. And Dave looked at the bottom of the page and saw the word slain. And he's like, uh-oh. Well, she's only in kindergarten. She's not going to know what slain means. That didn't matter. She saw the picture. She freaked out. That man looks really, really mean. What's he doing? And quickly, Dave said, yeah, that's, it's mean. Let's go, back. let's go back to this picture. And let's do our work on that. Well, now her curiosity was aroused. And instead, she flipped a few pages ahead and landed on this. The plagues. A hillside covered with cattle with X's for eyeballs and their legs in the air. Talk about traumatizing. Dave tried to get out of the plagues, but he didn't make it far enough. And soon she sees a man covered in sores. And she says, what is that? At this point, Dave's mom said, hey, I need help in the kitchen. And Dave said, I'm on it. I'm out of here. And he left Carly with his brother, right, with Carly's dad. He brought Carly into the wilderness and he just left her there. And she didn't even notice he was gone. She was too engrossed in this coloring book. Her eyes were wide with terror and wonder. 
And she was trying to sound out the words so she could put context to what she was reading because of the pictures. And then that's when he heard her say, Daddy, are all those fish dead? (laughs) Terror and wonder. On the edge of the wilderness. Dave didn't really intend to take Carly there, but he did leave her there. But these are exactly the gifts that Luke intends for us, for you. Terror and wonder on the edge of the wilderness to prepare for the coming of Jesus. So we're in the second week of Advent. That's why two candles, right? Next week is the Gaudetta, uh, the Rejoice Sunday. So we'll have the pink candle next week. Second Sunday in Advent. And we take the time out in the church here to prepare specifically for the coming of Christ. We should do that in each and every season, but it's a specific focus of Advent. In the world, this is a demanding time, right? There's a countdown. I don't know if you've looked at the calendar or how much time you have left till Christmas. My wife just realized this just a few days ago. She started to panic a little bit. But the world is asking you to prepare for Christmas, for Christmas. And in the world, that's a demanding time because there's a lot of things to do. Drag out the Christmas decorations. Make sure you get those up. Put up the lights. Purchase your gifts. Make lots of food. Clean the house. Write a letter, maybe. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. I do. Secure travel plans if you need to. And on and on and on. Woo, that's a lot. But in the church, we do something a little bit different. In the church, we prepare to meet Jesus. And the way that the church has prepared us to meet Jesus for centuries is by introducing us to John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. Every gospel writer includes the Baptist, and every time the Baptist appears, he points us to Jesus. He doesn't want attention for himself. Jesus must increase, so he must decrease. He points us to Jesus. He gathers Old Testament prophecies. He gathers visions of the future brings them together and points them to Jesus. The Old Testament prophecies point this way. The visions point back this way. All to the cross of Christ and His suffering, death, and resurrection. All back to Jesus. All leading us to Jesus. And here's the thing. I don't know if you heard the Gospel lesson for this morning, but the Jesus that He prepares us for is maybe a Jesus that you aren't very comfortable with. We have gentle Jesus, right? These pictures of him carrying little lambs in his arms with white flowing robes. Embracing the children, right? That's okay. We have sentimental Jesus who's looking off into the distance with a a gaze of wonderment, right? And then we have laughing Jesus. We have have this laughing Jesus in uh, room 100 here where you see him and he's kind of got this goofy smile on his face, and it's like somebody just told him a good joke. For John, it's a different story. John shows us a different Jesus. And it's a Jesus that we might not be comfortable with. With whom we might not be comfortable. There we go. That's grammatically correct. Is it any wonder, then, that John comes along like an unwelcome guest at dinner? Don't be talking about that stuff. You don't want to get him started because if you heard the gospel lesson, there's a lot of reference to destruction. There's a lot of 
reference to fire and flames, okay? And the fire he knows has not happened yet. It's going to come. Judgment. It is a raging of almighty wrath upon our world, refining the righteous, destroying the wicked, weeding out the repentant and the non-repentant, weeding out the faithful and the non-faithful. The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Did you hear the language? And Jesus, this is Jesus. This is what John says about Jesus. Okay? His winnowing fork is in his hand and he's going to clear his threshing floor and burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. No wonder John finds himself in the wilderness and not in a king's palace or dressed in fine clothes or at a fancy dinner. Who can endure his coming and his message? What John has seen, what God has given him to say, makes John value things differently from what the world would have us prepare for and what God would have us prepare for. And so he stands on the edge of the wilderness and asks us to come too. As we said, although his eyes look to the future and burn with fire, his clothing, that's a blast from the past, right? That's old school. Memories of the past. He's dressed in animal skins. He's dressed like Elijah. Nobody does that anymore. Dressed like a prophet who spends time in the wilderness. Who does this? This is a strange man. In the wilderness where he has seen God. And John knows about God. He knows this God who can touch the top of a mountain and burn it. Have it burst into flame. He knows a God who can sustain people 40 years by feeding them with the bread of angels or sending fiery serpents that bite and sting and kill when they complain, when they turn from him. This is not a, as C.S. Lewis would say, a tame God. This is a hidden God. This is the unapproachable God. Right? This isn't the God that we know from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not a tame God. He's not approachable. He's not gentle. He's not sentimental when it comes to sin. Just not. When he laughs, it is in derision over the destruction of his enemies and those who would abhor the truth and who would abhor his ways. So John comes with an urgent message. Repent. He tells you to prepare. Turn away from your sin and the comfortableness. And prepare for Jesus. Turn toward your Savior. Notice that John doesn't say, hey, prepare for Christmas. And you might say, of course, that's anachronistic. There is no real Christmas yet. Right? He doesn't say prepare for Christmas. He says prepare for Jesus. And there's a difference. And so what's the difference? The difference between preparing for a person and preparing for a day. What's the difference? You know the difference. People are great at preparing for Christmas. They can get the house decorated and in order looking great. 
for a day. If you're like me, it's only for a day. Right? I've got five kids. You can get your busy schedule hopefully straightened out, right? And kind of clear things out for a day. You can get your best game on. You can get your relationship with that good-for-nothing family member that you're always fighting with. You can be cordial and hospitable and even loving. Yes, you can do that for a day. Because when you prepare for a day, you're only preparing for 24 hours. It'll be here, then it'll be gone, and then life can return to normal, right? But when you prepare for a person, that can be different, especially when that person is coming to stay, coming to abide, to be Emmanuel, God with us. When he comes and comes to stay, life changes. Your moral messiness, your blinded busyness, your aggravating apathy, your broken relationships, these things need to change. Why? Because consider the person who is coming. Like we've been talking about, this is not gentle Jesus. That's not John's message. This is not a God of quiet moments around a coloring book or a Christmas tree. This is not a sentimental Jesus. This is not a God who says, eh, don't worry about your sin. Everybody does it, whatever. I'm just glad you're here. Ask the Pharisees about that. John says, after me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am unworthy to tie. He's opening our eyes. John's message is, here comes one more gentle than I. That's not his message. John's message is not, here comes one more understanding than I. Here comes one more tolerant than I. No, here comes one more powerful. Jesus is powerful. And in the Gospel of Luke, we see terror and wonder at his power. Now, I'm just going to give you a few examples, but I can give you a whole slew. But there is terror in his power whether it's the wind and the wave or these that I will share with you, think of how Jesus appears in Luke. When he comes, he enters a synagogue and he teaches. And all of a sudden, there's this cry, right? And it's not a baby crying. It's not a human voice. It's the voice of an evil spirit crying out in the middle of worship. And Jesus goes to war. When people who are sick are brought to Jesus, he doesn't just talk about the sickness. He talks about of body. He talks about the sickness of the soul. Wherever he goes, life breaks open. And this is true in the Gospel of Mark, too. So that one can see the true war going on behind the scenes. The battle against sin, the assault of demonic powers on God's creation, and Jesus beating back and overthrowing Satan's dominion. And there is wonder as well. With all this power, expectations are like, yeah, this is great. 
But just a few years later, Jesus, you're right, Jesus has power over sin, death, the devil, all these things. Just a few years later, his power is emptied. He suffers. He is betrayed by his own. He's brutalized by Roman soldiers. He's hung on a cross. His disciples anticipate, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to show us his power. He's going to show us his glory. But what they get instead is Jesus dying, Jesus suffering, Jesus being tortured. And there on the cross, he's abandoned by his people, abandoned by the father. And this one who is mightier than John. Dies. And the terrible wonder, brothers and sisters in Christ, the terrible wonder is that he dies for you. Those things on the books, out of our lives, on the pages, that we would rather not look at. The disgusting, the abhorrent, the fearful, the frightful, the terrible. He died for what we did on those pages. Our moral messiness, our blinded busyness, our aggravating apathy, our broken relationships, and on and on and on. But that is exactly why Jesus came. He is the only one mighty enough, strong enough to endure and overthrow eternal damnation for your sin. It's him. He bears the wrath. He bears the anger. He bears the fury of sin and death and the power of the devil. And leaves you with the word of promise. You are forgiven for my sake. So what are you going to be doing for Christmas? What are your plans? Whatever you are doing, wherever you are, don't forget John's message. John tells you, don't prepare for a day, prepare for a person. And not just any person, but God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Your Lord, your Savior. John speaks these words not to prepare us for Brief, fleeting moments. Brief, fleeting sentimental moments that are fine. Holding candles. Singing Silent Night. That's not, there's something greater behind it. That's a fleeting, brief moment. John wants you to prepare for eternity and your place within eternity. John prepares you to meet Jesus because Jesus has prepared an eternity for you. Repent. Regardless of what you are doing for Christmas, John reminds us of what God is doing. He is tearing apart the heavens. He is coming to us. He has washed you with water and the word, baptized you in the Holy Spirit, and comes to abide. You've seen what he can do. You've heard John's message of a not-so-gentle Jesus. You've seen him in the middle of worship all of a sudden declare war on the devil. You've seen him when people are sick. Tell him it's not just your body that's sick, it's your soul that's sick. He is here to drive away the rule and reign of darkness in this world. He is here to drive away the rule of sin and darkness in you. The one who suffered punishment, sin, rises and rules over all things 
for you and in you. He brings you into his kingdom and keeps you in his never ending rule of love until that day when he will come. And if that vision fills you with fear and love, with terror and wonder, welcome to the wilderness. It's just where John wants you to be. You are like Dave's niece, just beginning to be prepared to hear the good news. Your eyes wide open and thankful with terror and wonder at the rule of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.